Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. This is season two, episode six. I'm Stephanie Rose, Sunlight's community manager. And for today's podcast, Judy and Jen will join me to discuss homeschool tips for the working parent. Being a working parent is tough, right? Being a parent is tough, whether you homeschool or not. Adding any additional responsibilities outside of working, raising children, and running a household can seem impossible. You might be surprised to know that it's not impossible. It's actually very doable with the right curriculum. We would never claim that homeschooling while working doesn't include a hectic schedule and a huge lifestyle change. Yes, there will be days you feel exhausted, overwhelmed, and tired. But with Sunlight's all-in-one fully planned curriculum, homeschooling while working can be easier and more approachable. You'll read books instead of learning from a textbook. You can approach learning on a flexible schedule. And you can actually improve your relationship with your children based on the conversations that will stem from reading great books. If you think about it, you are your child's first teacher. So homeschooling is just an extension of that. Just because you work doesn't mean you can't homeschool. It just might take some creative thinking and a few changes, but you got this. You can homeschool and Sunlight can help. Let's get down to business. Join me as we turn the page on this topic. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today, we wanted to talk a little bit about homeschool tips for the working parent. We know you're out there. Some of us, all of us have been there, done that. Some of us are uh, getting ready to do that. (laughs) And so we thought it'd be great to join together and sort of talk about how we can help guide you as needed. I am Stephanie Rose. I am the community manager at Sunlight. I have with me Jen and Judy, and I will let them introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about their families. Judy, why don't you start? Sure. So um, my name is Judy and I'm the marketing sales coordinator at Sunlight. And so I have the great privilege of pulling together teams of people and sending them out to conventions across the country Um, last year, not this year, but hopefully next year, you'll be able to see our smiling faces again. Um, I'm also a retired homeschooling mom to three awesome kids and We're just getting ready to start a second generation Sunlighter. My oldest grandson um, is going to be homeschooling this fall because of all that's going on in our country right now. Um, And yes, um, I was a working homeschooling mom. And so I totally understand what that feels like and what it looks like. And I'm excited to be able to talk on that subject today. So I am an independent contractor for Sunlight. I normally do the conventions that Judy talked about being last year. Uh, Hopefully we'll get back out there next year. In the meantime, we're, you know, making virtual videos. I am a homeschooling mom. I've graduated two. I have um, two still at home. Uh, And for the last six years, I have been a working and homeschooling mom. Today, we really wanted to talk a little bit about advice doing it all, because as a parent who's homeschooling and working full time, how on earth are we going to do it all? And we're looking to these two to sort of provide advice and guidance. And so, guys, how do I do it all? 
You don't. <laughs> you absolutely don't. Um, and everybody's definition of all of the things is different. Um, and so I think Jen would agree with me. You don't do it all. You can't. No. No, you can't. And um, I think one of the most valuable things that I had to do was decide what my priorities were. I had to look at the big picture and know what I wanted my A-list things to get out of any school year. And everything else was not the priority. And so when it came down to those days when you feel like I can't do it all, you know, do we do the reader or do we fold the laundry? We did the reader every time. Laundry can always wait. Uh, and I don't love that, but, but if I have to decide which thing I have 30 minutes to do and that's all I have, if you've chosen your priorities ahead of time, it's so much easier to make those day-to-day -day decisions um, and keep your priorities in front of you. And that way, halfway through the year, I mean, the laundry may not be folded this week, but you feel like you're getting somewhere with the very important elements that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And I think it helps, at least it helped me, to write down those priorities or those goals. And for each child, it was different. I mean, one child maybe was struggling in math and another child was um, a whizzing through math, but was really struggling with writing. And so it was very helpful to write down one or two major academic goals for each child. Um, and I also wrote down one or two uh, character or spiritual goals for each child uh, because the, those issues are just as important. And then I tapped those onto my refrigerator because on those days when you had to decide, do I do the science experiment or do we do math because we can't make them both fit today, then I could just glance at that card and remind myself that for this child, math was more important and missing a science experiment was not a problem. And so I could give myself permission to not do it all. What other advice do you have for parents? I'm going to say parents because I am sure at this point, it's not just moms. I'm sure there are moms and dads. So what advice do you have to sort of get the, the family involved? Well, I think you have to adapt a team mentality because um, mom or dad can't do it all. Um, everybody has 168 hours in their week. Um, I don't have more because I'm mom. My husband didn't have more because he was dad. It's and so, only. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, actually, Jen, no, because if there were 175, I would still not have enough. So, <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> very true. Very. So, um, I think you have to realize that, that in order to make this work in your household, you have to work as a team. And so, yeah, there, my kids had chores that they were responsible for, specific things that were their responsibility, and no one else was going to pick that up for them. But there were a lot of things that, where we shared responsibility. Um, I was not the only one in the household that had the skill of doing laundry. Um, everybody in my household learned how to do laundry. Um, everybody learned to cook. Um, and I'll be honest with you, there were times once my kids got tall enough to uh, reach the um, t 
top of the stove and we had gone through, you know, what it means to safely cook a meal. Um, there were a number of years in there where my middle school, junior high, high school students shared the responsibility of meal planning and preparation. And I didn't cook a meal for years. Um, now I love to cook. It wasn't because I didn't want to, but there weren't enough hours that weren't already filled in my day. And so that, that team working together was able to make that happen. But then we all also got to share um, positive things as a team. We all got to go on vacation. We all got to uh, go out for ice cream or whatever it looked like. Yeah, I, um, I did something very similar. I'm starting to suspect that way back when I was just going to conventions, maybe Judy was the one that suggested all of that to me because it sounds like what I've done for the last 15 years. <laughs> But as soon as my kids were tall enough, you learn to do laundry. As soon as my kids were, you know, smart enough and developmentally capable, they cooked and they still do. And so now I am working. I am homeschooling one. I have my 15 year old at home. And the other night while I was at work, she sent me a text. What do you need me to do before you come home? Like, is there a list of chores? Well, what happened was she saw how exhausted I was. My husband was out of town. Um, she cleaned the house because that needed doing. I'd been slacking on that for days. Um, and then just sent me the text to double check that everything I was looking for, she already did. That's um, so she's not for sale. I'm actually keeping that one. Um, <laughs> but because I taught her to do laundry like eight years ago, you know, mm -hmm. and she was third. So it was like this big deal thing to look forward to, to be allowed to do laundry. Um, and so the fruit of that is that she can start a meal for me. She can flip the laundry. She can, I mean, if I broke both my legs, the two kids I have left at home could run my house. Um, and, and so to, to, especially for people who are switching into homeschooling, whether it's completely voluntary or just the best choice for right now, getting that teamwork mentality, not just about school, but about living in our house together, because all of a sudden people are going to be there a lot more hours, um, is so valuable because it's not punishment, it's contribution. And when kids feel like they're capable and they're contributing, they feel better about themselves. And that translates to everything else. And even if you're not um, working full-time, maybe you're working part-time um, or whatever, mom gets sick, dad gets sick. Um, I remember the year I had pneumonia and was flat on my back for two weeks. And the second day I called my kids in and said, okay, here's the deal. You all still want to eat and you all want clean clothes. And I can't do either of those things for you. Mm -hmm. um, and your father's not going to do all of those things for you. And so sometimes it just means a, uh, an interruption in your regular schedule to help your kids understand and realize that, yes, they are needed. And yes, they do have the skills and the ability to accomplish what needs to be done. Yep. It's funny that you say that this summer. I have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they take turns making lunch. And the nine-year-old only has very few skills, um, but they have successfully made themselves lunch almost every single day. 
during the summer. So um, that's great. It can be done. It can be done. Absolutely. You too can have children who do not starve to death. <laughs> I, know. I know. If I could just keep them out of the chips, that would be great. <laughs> Good luck. Anyway. Um, let's talk a little bit about using media. I think, you know, we definitely want you reading to your children and we want them reading. That is the number one priority. Like Jen said, we will always be picking the book if, um, if we could do that. But let's talk about media and how we can use that to help in times of need. Well, I've used media a lot. Um, I have four kids I've homeschooled and they're all wildly different ages. And so there was very little, like all of you go do this thing. It was more like, please everybody go to a corner long enough for me to shower. Um, and uh, one of our favorites is audiobooks. I love to read to my kids. My kids love to read, but we run out of hours in the day to read everything to everyone. And a good old fashioned audiobook really cures a lot of problems um, because they can listen to, uh, you know, whatever the read aloud is while I'm doing something else. And because that instructor's guide has every question and every chapter summarized and all the vocabulary in there and every map you need, you don't even have to have pre-read every book or listened to the audio to have a valuable discussion with your children as these things are going along. Um, even beyond, you know, audiobooks, so many science experiments are on YouTube. Now, I would rather do the experiment with my kid, right? However, in a day where I cannot do it all, you pull up the YouTube and watch that experiment. I will go take a shower and everyone will survive. I think um, Jen makes a good point. We, we have for so long listened to the message that um, kids are using media too much. And, and I'm not going to debate that one direction or another, except to say that certainly if your child is seeing more media than they are of you, then perhaps you need to, to kind of get that balance back to where it needs to be. So we are not saying, in case your children are listening in, that they should be sitting in front of a television or a tablet or a computer all day long. That's not what we're saying. But my kids were of the Mr. Rogers generation. And, you know, sometimes it was nice for them to learn about being polite and being kind from someone other than me. And so I could do the same thing that Jen did. I could say, I want the three of you to sit here and watch Mr. Rogers and for 30 whole minutes, I could go in and take a shower and I could blow dry my hair and I could have clothes that matched and I could brush my teeth. And I got that down to a 30 minute routine and came back out and my kids were just finishing and, and we could laugh and chat about, you know, what Mr. Rogers shared that day. And um, they were still learning. Uh, just because it wasn't coming for me didn't mean they weren't still learning. So, yeah. yeah. My kids were of the leapfrog phonics and magic school bus generation. And um, I mean, I love homeschooling. I love being the one to teach my kids all those things. I love the one to be, you know, involved in the process. And I am here to tell you, I could not have done it without Tad and Mrs. Frizzle. So, I mean, uh, we talk about smart media in my house. Is it valuable? Is it worthwhile? Are we 
is there some you know redeeming value to this or is it just junk um my kids do both but kind of you know with limits on the junk and emphasis on the redeeming value and and so absolutely if you need a kid to be occupied and still learning media in so many forms can absolutely contribute and supplement your homeschool experience and not just be more screen time. Also, I've heard parents record their own readings. Mm -hmm. Like if you have multiple children, recording yourself reading the book um, and then playing the recording if you can't be there. If you have a 30 minute meeting and mm -hmm. you need to have something that, you know, is just, oh, just, I just need 30 minutes of that is a great time to have individual reading too. That's what mm -hmm. I've learned over the summer. And um, the last part of the year is when I'm in meetings, I will give them sort of independent work to do stuff that they don't need me for. And I'll be like, you know what, set your timer for your 30 minutes of reading or whatever we've decided to do that day. And you are responsible for, you know, doing the 30 minutes of reading and then maybe picking up your room and then um maybe here watch this video on how cold it is when water freezes my kids got super excited about learning about why water freezes i don't know and so we watched like all these videos and then with all the like space launches that were going on and all that stuff we would pull up videos and watch what it looked like before versus yeah. what it looks like today and Anyway, so there's just tons of ways that I have learned personally to utilize my time. Like here, do this individual thing while I'm doing this wonderful interview on, on Zoom with all these great people. Be quiet and I'll be done in a minute <laughs> or I'll be done in an hour or whatever, however long the conversation is. So it's definitely, um, it, it has made me be creative with, with what I am asking them to do and how yeah. I'm using media and anything, any other resources I have to just yeah. to get through that meeting or get through um, that certain, I feel like everything in my day is now chunked out into time. So this is a really good segue into our instructor's guides. So mm -hmm. Sunlight has these lovely instructor's guides and there are multiple ways that you can utilize the instructor's guides. Maybe you guys can talk a little bit about different ways that you've heard as you're on the floor, different ways that you can really utilize this to benefit you. I think any tips you have on the instructor's guide is great for anyone. I think one of the things that I discovered was that um, third and fourth graders are way more independent than you might think. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and I have no scientific data to back this up, <laughs> But I think that in households where one or both parents work, children grow up more quickly because they have to take responsibility sooner. Um, you know, if you look back at our agricultural history as a country, um, you know, kids grew up in a hurry because they had to help their parents on the farm or, you know, whatever their responsibilities were. So I think um, one of the things that I, that I discovered early on was that my third graders and on up really could work independently for longer stretches of time than I was giving them credit for. And so I would take that instructor's guide and on a Sunday afternoon, I would just use a simple Excel spreadsheet or if you don't do Excel, you can use 
piece of typing paper and a pencil and a ruler and just make a grid and fill in what their schoolwork is for the week. Not only did it take that off my plate, but it also um, began to develop in them the satisfaction of being able to come to me and say, I'm all done with everything already. Or knowing that they could, little by little as they got older, adjust their own time and manage their own time, which is a, an incredibly valuable skill um, that they're going to need all through their lives. And so not only was I homeschooling them, but I was teaching them valuable life skills. And that's where that instructor's guide helped immensely because I could just pick and choose off from that schedule page and drop it onto my own and hand it off on Monday morning and they were good to go. Yeah. One of the things that I learned about the IG, um, being a working homeschooling mom, is that we did not have to do all the things in the exact order that the IG says. So um, for a lot of the subjects where there are shorter readings, where in, in a book we're gonna read for two months, you're reading two pages a day. Um, I had a couple of kids who were like, if we're gonna read this, could we just read it? And then cross off all the days because we can just read it, right? Um, and honestly, in a day where we weren't gonna have an eight to three school day, where I had to work four nights this week and I have three other kids to homeschool, it really helped to kind of minimize the number of things we were doing at once. So we were reading history, but if there was a book that we were just reading for this week, we might read it in a day or two um, just to like have a firm discussion about it and then be done and move on to the next thing. It doesn't work with every book and it doesn't work with every kid, but getting outside of that box of a Monday to Friday, eight to three school day helps immensely. There have been so many nights where like, I've got two kids and the dog on my bed at 1030 at night doing Eastern hemisphere mapping. And you know, big sister is helping little sister. Let me just say, if you have teenagers in your house, they are a resource, use them. Yes. Um, and I mean, do I send them to bed or do I help with the mapping? These are the choices. And, you know, looking back at that, that paper on the refrigerator says to me, unless we have to get up really early tomorrow, let it go. Let them map, let them get everything done. Let big sister help because those are all things that are off my plate. And so, you know, using your the IG as a resource and not as a master, um, and using the t all 168 hours that you have and not just from eight to three because that's the way everybody does school. That's not the way everybody does school. And also it doesn't matter how anybody else does school. If you have to work from 5 a.m. to noon, school is not gonna happen at eight o'clock. Um, you know, if you work Monday to Friday, you might get a lot of school done on the weekend. And that is completely valid. That is an absolutely great way to do it. And don't let anybody tell you different. Right. And don't compare your family to other families. Stop reading um, all of those homeschooling mom blogs for the first few weeks that you're homeschooling. Um, they have a lot of valuable things to say, and I'm not discounting that. And Sunlight has what I think is a wonderful blog. But you do not need to read 
about mom who gets up in the morning and cooks a three-course breakfast and and then they move from one subject to another and she has a schedule on the wall and everything happens at the appointed time and they get everything done and they check off every box and at the end of the day she still looks fresh and has her makeup on and she welcomes her husband home or he welcomes his wife home with a smile on his face. That was not my reality and that is not necessarily going to be your reality either. Your journey is unique to you and no one else is walking the exact same path that you are. So do yourself a favor and don't compare yourselves or hold yourselves up next to that perfect blog picture or Facebook um, portrait of a homeschool mom. Just don't do it. <laughs> it's not worth I'm going to go a step farther and say, not only don't compare yourself to anybody else, but know yourself and accept that. I cannot function if the kitchen counters are, have crumbs and mess all over them. I simply cannot. I can be in another room and I can just feel it and know, and it drives me crazy. So I do that job probably five times a day because I let my children live here. And so it keeps happening. Um, laundry. I'm sitting right now next to a pile of laundry that was already here yesterday. I am ignoring it because I can. I know this about myself and that's okay. So if, you know, I'm a once a week cleaner. So if you come to my house on Thursday, I'm so sorry because we do that tomorrow. Uh, where if you show up on Saturday, my house is probably clean because we did that yesterday. Um, and that's okay. I, you know, I'm juggling a lot. We have a lot of moving parts here. We have a lot of logistics going on. And if the house does not look perfect, I don't care. And I'm okay with that. And so the things that you can let go, let them go. The things that will make you insane, attend to them so that you're not insane. But it's, it's okay if Judy's are different than mine and if Stephanie's are different than mine, because it's, it's a completely different journey with different age kids and different personalities and different circumstances. And so know yourself and go accept that and, and go with that. Absolutely. Judy and I were actually discussing this exact topic and <laughs> what we were discussing was those perfect Instagram or blog photos aren't like they're missing things too. Don't yes. think that even though their perfect picture isn't, maybe they skip science too that day. Or maybe in order to make that house look that perfect, they were, you know, they, they, they missed out on something. They skipped something. They sacrificed something. And it's okay. That was their choice. Like Jen said, she knows she's going to clean the crumbs, but the laundry won't get done. And so I feel like that is really good advice and know that those comparing yourself to anyone is just a bad idea, yes. especially new in the journey or anywhere on the journey, I guess, really. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is about bringing kids home from school. We know that a lot of parents are facing this particular, um, you know, they're, they're bringing their kids, maybe they, their, their kids have been at school for five years, you know, they're in fourth or fifth grade at this point, And they have always been sort of on the, do I want to homeschool? Or maybe they're forced to homeschool this year and they're bringing their kids home. What advice do you have for those people who are just now bringing their kids home from school? I think a, a couple of things. 
Uh, number one, there's a rule of thumb out there that says when you make the transition from a classroom setting to a homeschool setting, you need to allow yourself one week for every year that your child was in a classroom. So if you're bringing a fourth grader home, or if you're bringing a sixth grader home, you can expect that it's going to take at least four weeks or six weeks for all of you to make that transition. Because you're not the only one that's making that transition. Um, you're not the only one that's become going from being mom or dad to being mom or dad and homeschool teacher. Your student is also coming home and part of, in fact, maybe the biggest part of that transition is that your student needs to see you as an authority in the subjects that you're teaching. Um, you know, they're used to having Mrs. Whoever at the front of the classroom or Mr. Whoever at the front of the classroom who went to school for however many years and whose diploma is hanging on the wall that says, I get to teach. Um, and now they're sitting at the dining room table and mom or dad is looking at them and saying, let's open your math book. And they're thinking, well, what do you know about math? You didn't go to school to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And so those are things you need to talk about. You need to have those conversations. Um, and you need to be willing to cut yourself some slack and cut your kids some slack because it is going to take time for you to make that transition. And I think the other thing that I would say is don't try to bring school home. Um, in school, they're sitting in a classroom behind a desk with a teacher at the front and a blackboard on the wall because the teacher needs it to be that way. The teacher has 15 or 20 students that they have to um, corral or keep track of. And, and that's the best and most effective way to do that. You don't have that. You do not need a school room. You do not need a school desk. Um, you don't need a teacher's desk. You don't need a blackboard on the wall. Um, you know, there are any number of tools that you may find are helpful for you in your homeschooling. But don't try to bring school home. Don't bring the school schedule home. Uh, don't bring the school environment home because it's two different ways to learn. Um, my kids almost never work at the dining room table. They, I have some of them who've worked in their rooms because they need to be alone. I have some who work under the dining room table, on the couch, on the floor, read upside down, hanging off the couch. I had one who, when he was a little boy, the keywords there being little boy, um, he could answer questions and learn better if he was bouncing. And so he bounced and he bounced and he could answer questions about what we were reading and he could do math and he could learn Spanish and he could, he could do anything so long as he was moving. But if I instructed him to sit still, it took his entire brain to will his body to be still. And so sitting at a desk isn't always the best way, um, especially with little ones. They need to stretch out. They need to move their little bodies. They need to curl up. They need to, you know, be able to literally be flexible. And, and that's perfectly fine. And it'll, I mean, I know some elementary school teachers who have those sorts of situations where they have beanbag chairs and balls to sit on. And that's amazing. Um, that is a lot more what homeschooling has looked like in my house than anything else. Like a kid and a dog curled up under a blanket on the couch and I'm reading. Mm -hmm. And, and that's totally normal. So you can even let the, the classroom, the desk, all of those assumptions go because it doesn't have to look like that. Yeah. And my little boy, 
Um, my rocking chair was the most valuable piece of furniture in my house for the same reason. He had to move. Yeah. And so I would put him in a rocking chair and he was constantly moving and could easily, much more easily learn that way. Yep. And I mean, I have one who listened better when she was drawing. I had a set of Legos that I put away except for read aloud time for about five years because he had to have something to do with his hands, but I needed him to be still and listen. And so Legos were the perfect combination of so much to do and you have to sit still so that you can listen. And, and those aren't things that I would have thought about. Um, I didn't really picture myself homeschooling with Legos or on a ball or, you know, any of that, but it's, it's, if that's what the kids need, it's perfectly fine. And it, again, with comparison, it does not have to look like it looks for anybody else's kids. You can do what your kids need in the place your kids need them in, you know, under the blanket, in the pajamas, whatever it takes. And that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing that we can say over and over again is get everyone involved, set your priorities, and be flexible on when you're actually doing this. And those are the three biggest takeaways. I, I know for me, I have to remind myself every single day that that's how we're going to approach um, just about anything in the current environment with my children at home and me working full time. So uh, that is all I have as far, do you guys have any last minute piece of advice for us at all? I think um, one of the things I would say is that in spite of your best efforts, in spite of having all the things for your kids to do and the schedule and um, you know everything just the way it's supposed to be, there will be days when it will not work. I used to say to my kids when I had to make phone calls for work or I had to be on the computer, do not interrupt me unless you are bleeding from two bodily openings or the house is on fire. Two, it had to be two, not just one. Um, or the house is on fire. Um, because I, I don't want to hear, mom, she's sitting in my chair. I didn't want to hear that. But there are some days, and there were many days, where it just didn't work. And it is absolutely okay to accept that. Um, it's not personal, number one. They're not out to get you. <laughs> They're not um, conspiring together at bedtime behind closed doors on ways that they can <laughs> drive mom or dad crazy. They really aren't. Um, but there will be days where it just won't work. And it's perfectly okay to say, you know what? Close the books. Put your sneakers on. We're going to the park. And you take them to the park and do whatever you need to do. Um, you learn about the leaves on the trees or whatever, because learning doesn't just happen when the books are open. Learning is a lifestyle. And so I think if you can learn to give yourself permission to say, it's okay to walk away from learning today. Nobody's learning anything when everyone's screaming and tearing their hair out and you're yelling and uh, throwing school books and whatever you do when you get frustrated. Um, I think it's okay. And, and I think that's the biggest takeaway would be it's okay for those days to happen and they will. Mm -hmm. And very similar to that, I, my 
my last words of advice are no guilt. You, I, I mean, as the parents, we are all doing our best. We are making hard decisions for kids we adore in these very uncertain times. And if you find yourself suddenly homeschooling when that was not the plan, then you make a plan, you do your best, and then you honor that. And it's not gonna be perfect. Parents aren't perfect. Children are not perfect. This year is not perfect. Nothing is going to be perfect. You do your best and then you let it go. Because I mean, I've been at this for 18 years. Judy's been at it for longer and it's not perfect. It's, <laughs> and that's okay. And so, you know, yeah, don't let the mom guilt get you. That's excellent advice. Excellent advice. Thank you so much. I hope you found this beneficial. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Deb.